After the final siren blew on March 22nd to confirm yet another comfortable home win for the West Coast Eagles over a maligned Melbourne side, the footy public thought more than just the end of another demon season was over. We literally thought the world was ending. Fast forward 12 long weeks and surprisingly the sun is still coming up and miraculously AFL footy is about to be back again, albeit after some significant shocks to life as we know it. Round 2 will be without significant crowds, play with reduced quarters and with more question marks and answers in regards to fitness and form. But don't get it twisted ladies and gents, footy is back. And with me to peer into the murky crystal ball and pluck out some winners is the punter's prophet himself, Big Bustling Baz. How's the long 12-week break been treating you, mate? It's been um, pretty good. Yeah, I've missed footy, don't get me wrong, and it's been good the last couple of weeks about rugby, but yeah, I've actually kind of enjoyed ISO a little bit, I think. Yeah. It just uh, helped me reset myself as a person and, and some goals, and yeah, it's been pretty good, I reckon. So, um, and I, I don't know if I should be called... Am I still a big fella? Bigness is a is like a, it's like it's like BDE man. Okay, okay. Because I, I know you got big boy energy. Yeah, you're a much slimmer version of yourself. Yeah, much yeah. slimmer, much zenner. Yeah, but very, hopefully just as good as picking winners. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. So I've been on a bit of a fitness kick through also. So my ego is getting bigger with that. By the way. I've, yeah. Yeah. Um, if anything, every kilo you lose is replaced by a kilo of ego. Yeah, which is kind of concerning because my head has shrank because I can fit in the hats and beanies. But now the ego is getting bigger, so I've yeah. got to watch myself. I think. Nah, roll with it, mate. Roll with you it. Deserve roll it. With it. You deserve it. Please do something. Do. Don't think. Think. Don't hope. Do. At least you can come off and say, "I did this, or I shivered it, or I played on." At least I did something. Segment one, coach's corner. The big question I have about everything coming into this round one is how important is COVID training in regards to what teams have done in isolation. And I think you got a unique background into this, obviously being an Amos coach. So we got you got stuck with all, all everyone had the same kind of restrictions that to apply to, the no contact, the yeah. social distancing, the limited groups. Yep, two people, no more than two people. No more than two people, oh, dealing with uh, young people, maybe flouting laws and getting themselves into trouble. <laughs> you've, had, you've had all of it. Yep. So my first question to you is, what did you expect of your group during COVID? I think the during COVID, my biggest concern, was especially down the nineties, was losing numbers and losing the players' interest. Um, and, and then overall, probably as a club, you probably think the same thing, especially when you don't know what's going to happen with the season. Like, and it's it's still unknown. Like, mm. They still won't make an announcement to June twenty second, but we're pretty confident in the way that things are travelling that we'll be playing. So, and a lot of other leagues won't be playing, but the VAF will hopefully will be. Um, but I reckon the players have been fantastic. Um, they pretty much motivated themselves. The, the leadership groups in the, you know the seniors and, and especially leadership group in the under nineteens and, and the women's been the same on that. Like they've been great as well. So from a playing perspective, like our first two nights training, we've had to pretty much kick off blokes off because we're only allowed forty on the, on the park. So it's been unreal. And you know, who would have thought after twelve weeks that you'd rock up to a Tuesday night training and have too many blokes there and everyone. Eighty percent of people are pretty fit, and they've been keeping pretty fit and running and doing all the things they need to do to look after themselves. And it's the same amount of nineteens, like you know, you're getting full numbers of training. Um, they're all fit, they're all keen, they're all ready to go, and yeah, it's been unbelievable. So, I suppose from my point of view, I just wanted to keep the numbers interested. But overall, like the boys have come back fit, firing, ready to go. So, yeah, it's been pretty cool and pretty. Like I said, it's been motivating for me as a as a person, and it's obviously been motivating for everyone else in that group. So, and do you reckon that would be reflected at the AFL level, given that all these guys are professionals and used to pre seasons? So, if anything, like if they're looking for control in their lives, that's probably the one thing they can control. They're like, I can run today, I can lift today, I can have a kick, make sure I've got touch. Well, a lot of people don't have any, like, didn't have anything else to do. Like, yeah. I, mean, I was lucky; I was still working, so. But I come home from work and I have nothing to do afternoon or all night. So, um, but a lot of these guys, you know, the office workers, I work from home, so I had extra time to probably train. As AFL footballers, I reckon, and like we would have had it with our club, and it would have been other clubs locally would have had the same issue. The players are probably thinking, "What's the point of not playing? I get a chance to rest my body and do other things, or go away with my." Like, you know, some of the players went, you know, pretty rural with their families back home, or whatever. It's pretty easy for them to switch off and not train, I reckon. And it goes, it boils back down to culture and leadership and the buy-in from the group. And I reckon some of the AFL clubs, and we'll we'll see this, I reckon, this week, the ones that are stronger in that area will come out and just, 
I reckon we'll put away some of the weaker teams who aren't as strong in that area, if you know what I mean. I think, yeah. I think more so this year, in this competition, the way it's to be played is that if you're... If your club in any level has a good buy-in, good culture, and um, they ha- hold each other accountable, I reckon they're going to be the more successful teams. It's going to count for more than what a, having a good, skillful side will, because when it's going to get hard in the, you know, even though they're short of quarters, when it gets hard at the end of a game or you know it gets tight or whatever, I think that buy-in, that knowing that you can look at your teammates and they've done all the hard work, because you know some other teams probably might have a couple of blokes that haven't done the work, and then mm. it's going to start the show and. Yeah, I just reckon that yeah, that buying and leadership and culture is gonna have a bigger impact than maybe a skillful team. Especially with teams that are renowned for having a bit a few a few pods of lifeboat type players that are all more about themselves. Yeah. Especially now that they'll be living in quarantine hubs for four weeks at a time, that yeah. kind of thing. If they're clubs that don't get along, that's gonna not gonna really work if you're in each other's pocket twenty four seven. And, re- and yeah, and if there's anything from accountability through to just being a bit of a dickhead, yeah. it's going to come up, I think, on the field this year. Well, on an AFL list, you're not going to have, you know, let's say 50 blokes. Not all 50 blokes don't like each other. It's no. just impossible. But you're going to have that respect and that, mm. you know, camaraderie still. It's a, you know, you saw it with the test in the, the Australian cricket team. Not everyone liked each other. They had that respect. They still had that mateship. So that, that's important, especially when they're staying, like I said, in their hubs for five weeks. Like, Imagine not having that mateship respect for a group of 10 blokes that you're going to spend 24 hours a day with for five weeks. Like That can have a massive impact on... And that's why I love the fact that you know, Buckley is like, oh, I'm happy to go to West Coast. You know, all this, I'm happy to go for, I'm happy to go anywhere. We're happy there as a group to go anywhere and play anywhere. Yeah. And I noticed that um, Scott said it today about Geelong. I'm, that just baffled me because he's been complaining about Geelong not playing enough at home and all that sort of stuff and now he's like oh no I'm happy to go to West Coast yeah well hang on a minute you can't have it both ways mate so anyway but that's the good thing about Chris Scott is he loves to have it both ways yeah I know my last question for you as a coach is how fearful are you about injuries Um, I suppose as a coach but also as a tipster because obviously the one thing you can't really replicate is hard contact yep and they haven't had it now for 12 weeks basically so yeah well at our level yeah I'm a bit worried about that because we're not as, you know, we've got the, the sports performance people behind us, the the trainers and that sort of stuff. So, and we're not allowed to use physios or anything yet. Um, I mean, we're allowed to go personally, but not allowed to be at the club and doing strapping and stuff. So, um, from an AFL point of view, I read an article the other day that was pretty in-depth about uh, the Bundesliga and how the injury toll has gone up, even though they've got extra substitutes and all, that, all those sort of things sorted out, but they're still playing 90 minutes of time on. And they've had a, a bit of a spike in soft tissue injuries, and then they they actually went back to the lockouts of the NFL and, and NBA um, earlier this decade, and um, and the same sort of thing happened because it, the season started like so quickly after a break that they actually had more soft tissue injuries because they didn't drop the drop the time of the players on the field and stuff like that, which the AFL has actually done. So the shorter quarters, which might help, but I'm actually fearful for you know we saw a few clubs already got soft tissue injuries yesterday in Collingwood. There's a few other clubs. Um, Sydney have also had a few. So I reckon it's it, it says one or two things. The players are, may not have done enough conditioning when they're off, or B, they've they've gone straight back in the you know, pretty hard training. They've started contact training and injuries have happened. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, from our point of view, like, you know, we'll get told on the 22nd that if we're going back, we might be allowed to start contract training on the 1st of July, but we play two, three weeks later, and that's not enough time. Yeah. Like, that is not enough time for local footballers. So, I mean, AFL, they've had, I think, two or three weeks as well. So, I mean... Similar turnaround. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't reckon it's enough. And, mm. I mean, we'll see on the weekend what happens, but... And we've already seen it in the NRL as well, that men have contact injuries from pingers all the way through to actual breaks has been pretty crazy, considering the numbers you usually get. So, yeah. that's probably the big one that I'm, I'm a bit concerned about is that Especially guys that are coming back off injury and then everyone, all the whole narrative is like, oh, but they've had 12 weeks to recover, 12 weeks to recover. But it's not, you don't want to just recover from injury, you need to recover and then you need to build up again. Yeah, you see, and with no yeah. reserves football, there's nothing else to play. Yep. You're coming in fresh, but you're coming in underdone, essentially. Yep. I find it weird that they're going to do, there's going to be no VFL with the aligned teams because of you know money and stuff, but they're going to play scratch matches with mm. the whole conditions anyway. So it, it that's costing money. Surely that that cost would be similar, or you know they could figure it out. The VFL yeah. just still do any, that just makes no, no sense. sense to me, and that's for another probably time and argument, especially with uh, some of the cuts they've made to 
all, all across the board in, in the AFL industry, and I mean, it goes on to cricket as well, but that's a whole different sort of subject yes. that I won't get involved in. There were some, uh, some skeletons got aired, finally, uh, when it came to the fat cats and the trimmings that need to be made, and uh, everyone, I think, is suffering as a result. Now it's all out in you Some of the things that are hard to understand are the long-term future prices for the Premiership. We'll get tucked into that as our first preview segment of this first pod back. Footy forecasters, underpriced and overpriced futures and markets. So basically, who we think is overrated, who we think is underrated, and based on that, can we make some money for our listeners out there with a long-term Premiership asterisk prediction. We're going to go to the overrateds first, and I've got three clear obvious ones who all kind of came... Uh, back in in the Premiership market, so Essendon uh, during the break went from thirty one dollars to twenty six dollars. So people think they're now vying for the eight. Uh, St Kilda didn't fade at all, so they sat at thirty four dollars. And then whilst Melbourne did fade, they're still only at thirty four dollars. So twenty three at the start of round one, thirty four now. I think all three of those teams will be also rounds and not top eight contenders. No, no chance. None of them will make the eight, and they should be closer to seventy eighty to one. Um, but I, I still think that uh, Geelong's odds are starting to get out so they've gone from 10 to 15 which is good because that's where they belong they probably should be further out again uh, so you don't believe in the fact that you know Geelong's going to play a lot of games at Cadinia due to its size no I don't care I just don't think they're good enough but you know I've got hate for Geelong you do got hate for Geelong because um, I'm definitely one that could play and is definite markets they're soft bets on mine if you want to go that way but top 8 for Geelong $1.72 is basically a gimme in my opinion Top four at three dollars, considering they're going to play a lot of games at Gardenia. Yeah. That's getting pretty close, considering they've finished top four most years. Yeah. And even the minor premiership at twelve bucks is huge value. I wouldn't go hard at those at those odds, but definitely I think Geelong will be one to look out for, considering that that's the one ground, even without a crowd, that does have a significant advantage to that club. Well, yeah, and I know we know, know that we hate Geelong, and we won't agree on this one, but time will tell. Especially this weekend against Hawthorne. Yeah, when I tip Hawthorne, <laughs> <laughs> I know. See, you've taken my uh, my bet from uh, Sydney to make the top eight. Yeah. From when we did the uh, preview of the season, and I had Sydney as the bolter. How did Sydney drift out ten dollars? So they're fifty one dollars now to win the flag. Forty one when they started the season. They're three dollars fifty to make the top eight. So the reason why is because Buddy's injured. And, and Sam Reed and they've got pretty much no ruckman now. So I'm gonna we'll go a bit more into that in depth with the, the preview. preview to Essen. But yeah, that the, the ruckman issue is, is is a big issue for them now. Um, and then obviously who's gonna kick their scores, who's gonna kick their goals. They're gonna rely heavily on uh, McCartan and Blakey to kick their goals with no Reed or Franklin. So two blokes who are playing their second and third years of footy. They've got a good little small flat around and Papley, but he's gonna have to spend more time in the midfield. Um, they've got some young players that are stepping in you know, with the loss of um, Jones and stuff like that. So for me, I, I think the injuries have all cost them probably now, and that's why they've probably drifted a bit, but I still like them to make the eight. Mm. Um, and a lot will go, or we'll know a lot more after this weekend against Essendon. Yeah, 100%, especially because they're the size they're going to have to beat. And then there are definitely, I think the reason why it's a, such a heavy play for mine at 350 is that they probably are a $2 prospect. They're probably on the fence of making the eight. They're definitely not also ran. So there are teams that, like Port Adelaide's, the Hawthorns, Western Bulldogs, in that around the eight mark, which are already at two dollars. So yeah. the reason I don't see other than injuries, obviously, but if they can find a way around that, three fifty is huge value, and in especially in cash out markets where they'll creep in if they get a few wins, and then if you want to get cold feet and bail out, you've still made some cash. And I think they're a bit more trustworthy than the Melbournes and Port Adelaide's of the world. Let's get into it. What we've been missing for 12 weeks, our previews for round two. Now, surprisingly, there's not much data on how teams back up after an 80-day break. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a... It's like round one all over again. It's a, Yeah, but even that, because it's not. It's not a full pre-season. It's like a half pre-season. It's all very confusing. But luckily for us, the bookmakers are just as confused. Yep. There's only two games that they think are clear-cut. The rest are basically coin tosses. So plenty of cash to be made. If you're a brave punter. And I reckon one of those clear cuts that in the last game of the week isn't as clear cut. And again, we'll go into that. But anyway, yep. we'll get into it. 
slight change of format as well. So instead of sure things and after the alerts because we don't quite know, I'm yep. just going watchability. So yep. must watches, money makers, that ones you would watch if you're betting on it. Yep. And then tips and forgets. Right. Games are going to be trash, so just pick them and then move on and check the app the next day. Yeah. Uh, First must watch Thursday night, of course. Collingwood. Collingwood. $2.28 outsiders against Richmond. $1.63 favourites at the MCG. One over seven and a half. Over under 139. Everyone will be watching this, even though there's no one in the stands, including ourselves. We have a little cheeky house party, of course. Under 20 patrons will be at that house. Don't yeah, worry. Yes, we, are we, are COVID. COVID yeah. we are following all COVID rules. Baz, talk us through the ins and outs injury-wise. Well, I don't know who is in and out, because obviously it's Tuesday night. We haven't got the ins and outs, but I do, we do have the injuries. Obviously, Dane Beams is out with mental health and retired. Uh, Mason Cox out with a knee this week. He's going to play the scratch match. Uh, Levi Greenwood is also out for another three to five. Tom Langdon, we haven't seen him for a bit. We probably won't see him again for a while, whether he plays again this year or not. Ben Reed's obviously done a calf uh, three to five weeks. He did that, I think, second or third session back from uh, COVID training. And then uh, Chalor as well, another soft tissue injury, which is something a bit concerning. He's had a few of those the last couple of years. And we know when he came from JVS, he had groin problems. So whether that's all, you know... He sounds like a person that needs to be rebuilt. Yes. Uh, I thought he would have been good with the time off, but uh, he, he does tra- overtrain sometimes. So maybe he just needs to pull that back a bit. And Richmond, I don't reckon you got any injuries. If you got t- two blokes, or one bloke I've never heard of, Noah Cumberland, I think he's a, I think he's a draft pick this year. Maybe yep. he's done his ACL and out for the season. Obviously, Basha Hooley, who um, has a test on his calf, and going by the AFL uh, website, there apparently is a real strong chance to play. So, um, for me, I thought that Buckley did say today that you know Darcy Cameron's going to make his debut for Collingwood to make his AFL debut. I think as well. Actually, no, I think he has played one or two games for North and Sydney, but. He's going to make his debut for Collingwood, no Mason Cox, which, I don't know, I thought, given the, the, the quarters are shorter, the 16 and a half minute quarters, I thought we could just play Grundy. I think uh, you don't want to be caught out with too many tours. It'll be interesting to see how many how teams take this on over the next week or two with the short corners. I think the, the ball movement's going to be a bit quicker. Um, and maybe the tools, a bit like rugby with the new the new uh, reset. Again, really, yeah. yeah the, the, the bigger boys, the front rowers, are struggling to keep up with the fast-paced game. So I wonder how that's going to travel with the big ruckman and the big lumpy forwards. So I'm a bit surprised we're playing Cameron because even if Cox was fit, I probably wouldn't have liked to see him play. I would have just gone with Grundy and uh, my check up forward and play a bit of a mosquito fleet and try and sort of beat Richmond in their own game with the outnumber because you know they like to outnumber then spread from a contest. Try to do that and just you know have that. We've got so many quick um, players for the ball. You know Jamie Elliott and Will Hoskin Elliott and those sorts of boys and Josh Thomas and that just maybe just. See what they do with those players, you know, running, you know, up and then back, doubling back towards goal. So, so you mentioned that you're going to try and you reckon that they might try and beat Richmond at their own game. Don't you think that Collingwood has already learnt how to beat Richmond? So, only only side in the AFL that's beaten uh, Richmond twice since the beginning of 2018. Yeah, we've also lost a couple of times as well. Yeah, but no other team. Yeah. One of three teams to beat Richmond twice. Yeah. No one else has beaten them more than twice. Uh, uh. So why would you change a formula that already works most uh, of the time? So I was thinking that, yeah, yeah, Cox had a one-out game in a prelim, but other than that, we've beaten him small. So I'm just saying, I yeah, don't yeah. think that's the way to go. But I just think that, you know, Richmond have no no injuries. They're flying. We've got a couple of big outs, obviously. And we're still not playing. A bit strange with Buckley not playing Stephenson and a few other of the boys that are missing out. Um he said he couldn't change a team after they won the way they did after round one, but it's been 12 weeks. You probably, you know, interesting. It'll be, he'll either get praised for it if we win, if we lose, then there'll be questions asked and he'll probably make the, the, the right adjustments. Um, but yeah, so obviously we're ex- we're experimenting a bit with, with Cameron and Grundy and Richmond are probably experiment a bit experiment a bit as well with um, the Nank and um, Soldo and whether there's, you know, there's been talk of Marlon Pickett even rucking, so that'd be interesting. But um. Do you reckon that is just all talk, though? Because obviously Grundy's had pretty good form against the, the Tigers, considering that, with all respect to anyone that's rocked for the Tigers in the last couple of years, they're not much of a match-up for Grundy. Yeah. Why would you throw in Pickett, who clearly will be dominated in the ruck, you'd think? I, I think that's the thing. Like You're worried about playing two rucks in a shortened game, and I think that's why Bucks has kind of picked Darcy Cameron to back him up, although you could have you know chucked in someone else in the ruck as well. But... Um, 
I reckon he's picked Cameron just as a, as a bit of a safety net. To have. So we've got a tall forward, and if you guys do pick your two ruckmen, so you don't try and double team and run Grunny into the ground. But you know, we saw how good Grunny was round one, and I, I think if you only go in with one ruck, especially if it's Nank, I think that he's going to tear his up. So I, I, I'm pretty confident you guys will have to play two rucks as well because mm. it's the only way you can beat Grundy at the moment. But again, it'll be interesting to see how teams take that two ruckman approach going forward, especially with the short quarters. But I think the market's pretty much spot on. Yep. Um, I'd have Richmond about $1.60, $1.70. Um, and I think that looking back on the last few games, I think the closest game we've had has been when Grundy kicked that um, goal in the last couple of seconds yeah. of the game. That was going back a fair bit. All the games recently have been pretty sort of one-sided affairs, whoever's won. So, and a few, most of those have been Richmond. But So I think we might have it be in for a nice tight game. So I'm thinking either side under 15 and a half and uh, I think Richmond head-to-head is a good bet and I'll be keeping an eye over the whole weekend on the unders and overs of games yeah. short quarters you can see a lot of the unders and overs are around the 140 mark I reckon we'll see yeah, some pretty low scores from one, one side like we did in round one yeah if the games play out like a round one game and this obviously I think advantages Richmond so they've averaged 111 points in early round matches across the last four seasons that probably gets scaled back to about 100 um, with the shortened quarters, but still they love to they love to hit seasons early, bank wins, and then they can kind of manage their workloads. And I think they probably do the same there. And the only chance here for Collingwood is probably, as you said, Grundy dominance. So fifty two percent of hitouts turn into clearances, and that's mostly down down to Grundy's work. So Grundy will need a huge game here, but I think obvious plays of mine: Richmond to win dollar sixty three, pretty good value, and then also Richmond at between one and thirty nine. Shortened quarters means probably less blowouts, potentially. And Richmond has won 10 of its last 11 games in Melbourne by a margin of 1 to 39 points. So yeah. you get a bit of extra value by going into that into that margin bracket. I, was, I think we do a, cl- a classic Richmond-Collingwood close contest because I looked at the, the, like the history mm. and it's always been you know four, five, six, seven goals. I just reckon we do like a real tight one. So I think that's what the AFL will probably want as well. Especially first night. Second night, another absolute blockbuster. So uh, seven fifty down at Cadinia Park, Geelong a dollar fifty six favourites. Hawthorne two dollar forty four outsiders. The line here just under two goals. The over under one thirty seven. And for the first time since two thousand and six, Geelong will host Hawthorne down at the Cattery. And, guess who and won? Chris Scott must be bloody stoked. So guess who won in two thousand and six? Yeah, Hawthorne. But Hawthorne. in two thousand and six, Geelong wasn't that good. No, we were Hawthorne then. Yeah, true. Hawthorne were just cut, you know, still a year or two away. Um, now, can we read anything into round one form? Yeah, I reckon we can because Hawks towered up Brisbane. Yeah, they played, and the really Cats smart. were pretty poo. Yeah, because well, the Cats are poo. Um, <laughs> I was reckon the Hawks were really good round one, and they showed up Brisbane, and now they travel down to the Cattery, which I have a feeling that Clarkson would be loving. It does. It does set up nicely for a Clarko masterclass. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. It just sets up for something the Clarko to mastermind. Yeah, he can pull. He can pull a little yarn of, of yarn of ball, yarn of thread out of the ball of wool. Some more Geelong references for you there in cats, and then uh, yeah, kind of say you know people don't think we can beat them down there at their own home ground, yep. but we are Hawthorne. I'm Clarko. Here we go. Yep. Correct. And. You know, they do play the ground really, really well, Geelong, and it's you know a bit skinnier and they can defend yep. well. But down the bread roll, yep. I think Hawthorne's definitely got the kicking game and the players to get through that. So, and now they've got Patton, you know, they've got a long target um, for him as well. So, he, all he has to do is compete and win the ball to the ground and they can reset. So, I reckon I'm, I'm tipping the Hawks. Yep. Um, and we know these two teams always have tight contests. Yeah. You, you always, they generally play Easter Monday. It's always really tight. Either, and, you know, one they always seem to, it doesn't matter where they're on the table, they always have really good tight contests. And, uh, yeah, I just reckon that Clarko masterstroke, Hawthorne won the 39, Hawthorne head-to-head, and just hope that the Cats just keep losing. That's that's good value there, good value betting. But sometimes I think just stats don't lie, and the stat is two stats, big stats. First, Geelong has won 15 of its last 16 games down at Cadinia Park. Second, Geelong has a 6-1 and one record from 2019 after a loss. Yep. They don't lose two games back-to-back. They lost round one. This is round two. Stats don't lie. Take Geelong for the win. Dollar fifty-six. But I do agree it will be a close one. So if you wanted some extra value, take the margin bracket. One to 39. 
I just don't know where they're going to keep improving from because they rely on the same players a lot and they're getting older and I just don't think they're that good. So I think that could be an advantage for them this year. Shorter season, so less fatigue, a lot more experienced heads so you can deal with high-pressure situations and some weird situations. A pretty smart coach in Chris Scott. He's not Alistair Clarkson, but he's pretty good in my opinion. So Geelong the win at home, it all makes sense to me. Third of our blockbusters from week two of the AFL season is showdown time. Poor Adelaide are $1.47 favourites. Adelaide, $2.68 outsiders. The line here, just over two goals. And the over-under, a very slender 128. And footy could not come back quick enough for either of these two clubs. Poor Adelaide's body presidents are beefing on with Collingwood's presidents about which jersey they can wear. Because you've got, got to fill newspaper articles. Yep. Meanwhile, Adelaide are off biffing with themselves. Biffin with former legends of the game. These two clubs that need to focus on some footy before they self employed No, I reckon Port. I like Port. Port are going right, I reckon. Yeah. Um, Adelaide are only missing, aren't really missing anyone, probably except for Riley Knight from their full strength side. So they're... Yeah, who's busy biffing on, so that's they, good to see. They got pretty much, they're pretty much at full strength. Port, however, they got a few tests. Uh, so, I reckon Lysette might just get up. Robbie Gray's fine, apparently. Uh, Charlie Dixon should be fine and Riley Bonner should be fine but there's there's tests on all those players so they're hoping that um, they'll be fine for the, the showdown but Adelaide Adelaide were no good round one they were and, no good and I don't reckon they're any good at all and we're, we're, again I don't I don't know if you released the, the Adelaide uh, preview that we did before the season started but I, I'd be concerned for Adelaide this year and I, from round one I think just I don't know who's going to kick their scores. Uh, they're going to rely heavily on Tex and a very young four line as well and Fogarty and stuff like that. And I think their midfield's aging and not very good. And their ruck is a massive concern now. They got rid of Jacobs, mm. um, so they you know they they got showed up really badly in round one with their ruck stocks and they got no one else. They don't actually have a second ruckman pretty much on their list. Mm. As Port, you know, have Lysette, um, who, you know, he's a very good ruckman who can swing around and so, same you know Charlie Dixon's going to chop out, Westhoff can chop out. I just think that. Port midfield, Port defence, Port foot going forward, the ball is a lot stronger than anywhere than Adelaide are. And I know that it doesn't really mean much uh, in the showdowns because they always you know, get up for it. But I just reckon that Port can absolutely flog the crazy. I think so too. So one one big stat from last year was that they Port Adelaide won the inside 50 count by 10 per game. And it was their kicking and, clin- and like clinicalness in front of goal that really let them down and their ball moving going inside 50. Luckily for them, as you mentioned, they're Adelaide are pretty shot behind either ball in the middle trying to get the ball and behind the footy in defence. So there won't be too much pressure on um, Port Adelaide's movement of the footy. Um, and then up front, yeah, as you said, who they rely on. The Crows have lost 38% of their offensive one-on-ones last season, ranked second last in the competition. So they don't have targets. So there'll be no pressure either in the time for Port Adelaide. It should be a pretty easy win. And especially in a town where all the newspapers are ready to gang up on Adelaide and put them to the grave pretty quickly. It's not. It's not spelling out a great season for the Crows. No. I, yeah, they, they've imploded since they made that grand final, and they almost need to go back and do a rebuild and rebuild a bit, even a mini rebuild, a bit like what Port did last year at the draft. Because yeah, they they're going backwards very very quickly. So, yep. um, you know, I, I was trying to find value in this game, and I thought Port maybe over forty plus, but would there be enough time? Uh, I thought Adelaide, you know, they would struggle to score 60 points, but the market's already seen that as well. They're, they're $1.50 for that. So um, I'd be just backing maybe Port head-to-head. I know they're pretty short. But yeah, it's $1.60, not too... $1.47, sorry, so not a lot of value there either. But I, I reckon you but can... a pretty clear-cut tip anyway. Yeah, I think there's... Obviously, there's three games that are pretty clear-cut. If you can get around the $1.40, $1.50 mark from put three of them together, you're going to get only $2.20, so that might be just enough for you to roll a bank into for the weekend. These games aren't going to be great watches, but they could be significant money makers. The first of which, Saturday, 4.35. The Blue Baggers are $2.43 outsiders against Melbourne. $1.56 favourites at Marvel Stadium. The line here again, about two goals. The over-under, 142. I'm pretty certain that this is the week that the Green Shoots Football Club, that is the Carlton Football Club, turn into a little bit of a money maker this year. No. You don't reckon at $2.43, not backing them against the Melbourne D's? No, that's, uh, no Charlie Kerno. Um, he's that's it though. Yeah, I know, but it's only Mc, one McKay, McKay's been carrying a big injury, and he, he's in a play. But he's had a long time off footy. He's still a young man. 
Yeah, they're missing, the Blues were, they're missing Matty Cruiser. The Blues were pretty competitive against Richmond for a half. They got no Ruck. In round much. They're missing Matty Cruiser, so they got no Ruckman, really. Hmm. Um, and we know that Melbourne dominate the middle anyway, but they don't do anything with it. And they did that. They've done that for two seasons. Look, you know that I don't trust Melbourne. Yes. I, I just can't see. Like I don't want to touch this game, and I can't believe Melbourne are a dollar. But they're not a dollar. They're not a dollar sixty side Melbourne. I know that's what I'm saying. I can't. So even just statistically speaking, you got to take the Blues here at two fifty because you're getting overs. Yeah, you are, but I'm not touching the game with a forty foot barge pole from with my money because it's just stupid. Because you don't, you can't trust Melbourne. I don't know what cut. I can't. What I kick thirty points in the first, forty points in the first game or something. So like. Where they, I just can't see Carlton scoring enough, and I think even looking at Melbourne, like you said, well, where are their goals coming from as well? So, you know, they they were pretty ordinary against West Coast. Whether it was the fact that they knew that there was no season following after that game or whatever, but still, you'd hope that um, they go out there to play to win, not just to give up. So, that, that, that's probably what worries me more about Melbourne is what's their mindset, what's like. their mindset like, and then what's Carlton's mindset like as well. So. Yeah. If you take the last 10 games, though, Carlton in the back half of last season was a far better side than Melbourne was in the back oh, half of last season. 100%. On paper, I'd almost go now that Carlton has overtaken Melbourne. Wow. That's, that's a big call. Tell you what, Cripper's going to have to have a good game. And he does. Cripper loves early season as well, so fresh. If, he, if Cripper was a racehorse, you would back him up off a fresh start every single time. He averages fifty-two possessions in the first two rounds in the last three two in the last three seasons. So he loves to get the pill. He will. I reckon he'll absolutely dominate the Melbourne. He'll be he'll be sharking Gore's taps. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Sharking Gore's taps. I I, just, I I don't want to touch this guy. I'm I probably. There's I, value to be had there. Though. There is value to be had, but if I'm tipping Hawthorne, I probably have to tip Melbourne in in the free tips. Otherwise, you could just go backwards very quickly, especially yeah. with uh, one or two other tips I've got coming up. Play there, Carlton to win, Carlton to cover if you want a little bit of a softer play, and to round out, the underdog has covered the line in seven of the last eight games between Carlton and Melbourne. Well, it's only a ten and a half point line. Yeah, two goals. Oh. So dollar ninety there's the security. Dollar forty three for the more adventurous types. Sunday at the very interesting time of three thirty five. Yeah. Sydney are a dollar eighty one favourites against Essendon. Two dollar oh four slight outsiders. They're playing at the SCG. The line here is three points. The over under one thirty six. Now the Bombers have dealt with COVID nineteen for the last three we- uh, for the last three months, but they don't have to deal with Buddy twenty three this weekend. No. How or, does Sydney or Reed? How does Sydney deal with that? As we mentioned before, well, big outs for Sydney, but can they overcome it against well, the Bombers? Well, Essendon lose uh, everyone. Tipper, Arazio, uh, Heppel's probably not going to get up. Carl uh, Hook is going to get up, and apparently Patrick Ambrose is going to get up. So uh, they got a fair few good players that are out, and then you go to Sydney, and their injury list isn't as big, but they're missing some pretty key players. You know, obviously Reed. Franklin. Now, Naismith's gone down as well, who is their ruckman. So that's that's a big out. So you've got Cal Sinclair and, and Aaliyah Aaliyah who will be carrying their ruck stocks against Tom Bell Chambers, who is a bloody good ruckman, Bell Chambers. Yeah. I don't know. So, Sydney, we spoke a bit about this earlier. They've got um, you know, Blakey and, and McCartney as their two key for, for forwards. And like Hurley doesn't have a field day against, against Sydney. Um, and I reckon Stringer. He could tear this game apart because he needs to kick goals first because, again, them going forward as well isn't, isn't looking very... Attractive, Attractive, no. no. But it's going to be a battle of the midfield. I think that Essendon have probably a bit more experience in midfield, probably better players, especially getting the service of Bell Chambers. If that's the case, Baz, and I have a stat for you, that yep. kind of contends that. Okay. So from rounds 15 to 23 last season, Essendon lost the contested possession count by 147. Yep. They were ranked last in the league, below the Suns, in hardball footy. If their midfield's that good, then how can they not get in the pill? Well, I don't know. Just That was last year, wasn't it? Hopefully the new coaching setup has changed that and they've changed their game plan a little bit. Look, a part of me wants to tip Sydney, really do, because I, I, I can't... I kind of don't want to touch this game either. And Even I'm, if you go into the intangibles, yeah. Essendon aren't a side that kind of proven themselves as travellers, as good against adversity, as dealing with difference and change. They don't seem like a group that's particularly gelled. They're not playing for themselves or the coach. No. Sydney is amazingly drilled, playing at home, has heaps of buy-in, has the Bloods culture. But Essendon have blokes who win the win the game off their own off their own back. 
That's mm. what I look at. That I look at the S and X Factor as Stringer. So you're relying on Hurley. X Factor versus the reliability of the team unit. Yep. It could backfire. It's, it could very much could backfire. It's very much against your like own mantra. It is. I just have this feeling that yes, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I should trust Sydney yet or not. Although. They've been talking about it a lot that like Papley and a few others that have been confronted the media with Sydney saying, you know, we're going to, you know, the young blokes have to step up. Young. So whether that's the the message now from Longmire is that like, we're not going to, you know, pussyfoot around things anymore. It's You need to step up. We're a real football team. You're playing AFL football. It's an interesting game. I'm, I'm actually sitting on the fence a bit here. I'm not going to tip, I'm not going to back anything in this game as well. Yeah. I'm leaving it alone because it's just a scary betting proposition. But a part of me wants to tip Sydney and a part of me wants to tip Essendon and I'm not really sure I'm going but obviously by the time that you put this out and we uh, kick off you'll have, we'll a, have made a decision have by a from Thursday me, but... about 6pm yep well I'm going Sydney to win eighty. Sydney have won their last nine home games against Essendon they've covered the line in each of them and Essendon has lost each of their last three day games at the SCG by more than 40 plus points yep so history is against them there is no Buddy, which alters that, obviously, because Buddy dominates against Essendon. But I think Sydney has enough there to get over the line against a mentally fragile, in my opinion, Essendon side. More weird time slots. Sunday, 6.05pm. St Kilda, $2.50 outsiders host the Western Bulldogs, $1.54 favourites at Marvel Stadium. Two-goal line, 142-point over-unders. Before we get into the preview, what do we think about Sunday night footy? Well, now that I'm unemployed, um, I don't mind it. <laughs> I was say, you're unemployed, you're single, it's it's everything you want, really. Sunday yeah. night on Sunday, the couch, yeah, exactly. before you kick off to whatever your new job is going to be. Yeah. Bit of, bit of footy. Could exactly. be alright. You might get up Monday morning. From a betting, a, from a better betting perspective too, if, if you've missed a few things out, yeah. you can chase it back in the last chase, game yeah, nothing Sunday. Yeah, nothing wrong with chasing your losses, gamble yeah. responsibly. <laughs> um, yeah, like, you know, Sunday night. You know, you've probably probably had a big weekend of training and seeing the boys and having a few beers and yeah. maybe just, you know, watch some footy, have a bit of a bet, get up about eight, nine o'clock on a Monday morning, go for a run and... Life's good. Life's good, yeah. Might, right. might, find, might try and find a new job while I'm at it. Who knows? Who knows? But um, oh, have, you, have you noticed that the doggies have been a bit more in the media the last week or two? Yeah, I think they're trying to make up for their... Round one. De- well, round one debacle against you guys. Then they all got caught breaking COVID laws. Yep. So it hasn't been great start to the Doggies 2020. Yeah. Oh, but now they're very much present. Yeah, and, and uh, Bevo doesn't do a lot of media, but when he went, he did a press conference last week, and oh, was it last week or before, I think it was, I can't remember, it was It was definitely in the last seven to 14 days. And he he, he, he himself brought up the fact that they've been using the Detroit Pistons, because they obviously watched The Last Dance. Yeah. And they, they saw what the Detroit Pistons were. They were that tough team, that hard team, the, the dominating team that you know grew into a, a dynasty. Yeah. And I'm sure they would have gone. I mean, he talked about it through the last dance, but surely he, you know, given the fact they're looking up to him, he would might have gone to the thirty and thirty, you know, the ESPN yeah. specials because there is one on the yeah, yeah. Detroit, Detroit Pistons. Pistons. You know, yeah. they probably could have watched that instead of the last dance about it. But you know, sorry, I, I digress. Yeah. Um, and just, it's just like, well, are you a tough? That, that's not. But say, when you think of the, when you think of the Western Bulldogs, you don't think of. They're tough. not the unsociable hawks. No. They're not anything like that. Not a hated team. They were the darlings when they won in twenty sixteen. Yeah, second favorite. They weren't mine. Yeah, they were second, second favorite, favorite team. team. They they come up with the, you know handball style game yeah. plan at one. Yeah, it's they play quick ballistic football like kicking from the back. Yeah, yeah. I, I just. They're not whacking boys. They're no, not getting hard. They're no, not being. They're not and, so, and actually, they're very poor at being. Unliked because everything they do in the media, like Bontempelli and Easton Wood are their leaders, like yeah. two of the most loved footballers currently in in the competition by players and fans. Yeah, like they are nice people. Yeah, and also they got rid of some you know club legends as well when they had to sack mm. or stand down people because of COVID. So they got rid of some really you know crucial people that are fabric of that club, and they did that. So is that is that going to play in, you know a bit of an effect on them as well? But going back to the game. I just can't see the Saints. The Saints really robbed themselves against North. They yeah. should have won that game. I I can't believe that the Dogs are a dollar forty favourites in this game. When I think St Kilda's midfield is stronger and harder, they're going to get good service from Ryder and Marshall because the, the Doggies Ruckman isn't really travelling that well after mm-hmm. Grundy just absolutely bathed him in the in round one. 
I can't see... We saw their problems going forward against Collingwood as well. Now, I know St Kilda won't defend and be as organised as what Collingwood were, but they couldn't get the ball past halfway, the doggies. Now, that came from turnovers, pretty poor turnovers as well. But even going forward, they, they struggled to kick goals and they struggled to find a target. So that's going to be another issue for them. And then their, their back line wasn't really... Isn't really that strong either. So I, I'm looking at it going, well... How do, how does how are people tipping the dogs in at a dollar forty? I think the Saints are, I think this is probably one of my best bets of the, of the round. Is the Saints to win? See, the stats are against you here. Gee, this is you've done this every game. The stats are against you here. You got. I'm, I'm going off what I, what I saw I know, around one. I know that's fine, but that's only one sample size. Yeah, but I'm, you're doing the classic jumping at the new the new year and the new club, but you know that St Kilda is St Kilda and the doggies is doggies. Yeah, but they've also recruited pretty well. The Saints. Well, they've recruited mature players to fill holes. They've got mm. some speed now, and they've got you know a stronger midfield with Hill and, and Jones, and yeah. they've got a stronger ruck set up. With and then they shot themselves in the foot in round one, and then you get the job done. Yeah, I, I still don't know what happened there, but anyway, I, they I was, kicked two goals after half time. I know, I, I was watching because I yeah. lost money. So, I know, yeah. and you're about to lose money again. Oh, well, you're yeah. about to lose money again okay, because we'll, of that. So, we'll, well, so traditionally, this doggy's team finishes hard. Yeah. Yep. Clearly, this Saints team dies in the ass. The Doggers kicked 30 points in round one. Or 35 points, yeah. it was. A one-game sample size. So if, you, if you're going to ignore the St. Kilda's the St. Kilda result after they only kicked two goals after half-time, also deplorable. Guess what? They're still only three goals away. Yeah, but I'm if saying... they kick two goals and a half, <laughs> and then Western Boyles only kick five goals, yeah. they're still only three goals away, aren't they? Yeah, that's, that's very true. You can also do maths. Congratulations. <laughs> I have I have a weird bet for this game, but I'm going to tip the doggies. I'm going to explain my bet at the end of it. It is my roughy for the weekend, so stay tuned. No, I reckon this is this is the upset game. Like we we talked before yep. about, about yep. The, the Hawthorne Geelong. If anyone anyone you speak to that they're tipping you know either or either, but yep. I reckon this is the upset game. The Saints dogs. I reckon the dogs are a bit ahead of themselves. They've not been anywhere. That, they're not that. I don't reckon they're that good a footy team. They're not going to make the eight. I don't reckon. I don't reckon the Saints probably will either. But I just think that this game is a lot closer than the market suggests, and even if you took maybe some, you know, it's a two goal line, but for, for me, St Kilda should not be two dollars fifty, and whoever framed this market is off their guts. All right. And I could be proven exactly completely wrong, and I apologise, but that's, that's how yeah. I see it. So. And that's what we're here to do is just to say it how we see it, and which is what we do with these three games because these games oh, are bona fide yes. tip and forget games. Maybe have a punt because there is a bit of an angle you can take. Saturday, 1.45, Brisbane host Fremantle. Brisbane clear favourites, $1.34. Fremantle rank outsiders, $3.29 at the Gabba. Three-goal margin. Talk about another team inefficient going forward and just four-mile pressure of non-existent. That was Fremantle. Yeah. That was disgusting. And uh, uh, Yeah, Brisbane will flog on it. Fremantle will stay in Perth. They might as well stay in Perth, not bother. Just do what the NBA has done and actually just cull... The bottom cut. eight teams. They yeah, should the just cull, cull, yeah. cull the bottom four teams. Yeah. And yeah, we'll yeah. Get, we just have create two hubs and make it simple for everyone because Frio aren't very good and the Lions are much better than Frio. Yeah, and if, if, if the Lions lose, then they're, 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 they will be tipping on um, Melbourne status. So just... In untrustworthiness and getting ahead of this. Get, getting ahead wasting of talent. Wasting talent, yeah, like this. So, you know, they, they're going to get... Um, Blake Akers, Stephen Hill, Jesse Hogan, Nathan Wilson, David Mundy, all available. Um, and even, you know, Cam McCarthy, after he fainted, they'll be playing um, for, for free over. That still won't help. And Brisbane are pretty much, I think, apart from um, Adams, they're, they're, they're full strength. So yeah. only only Cam Rain is the only other one that might not play. So a full strength Brisbane should be able to really do a number on free only weird stat I could find to give Freo fans a little bit of hope is that Freo has covered the line in four of its last five games of the Gabba. The line is three goals, so if you're a Freo fan, you might keep it close-ish, but I don't think you win. The second of our tip-and-forget games, Saturday at 7.40, the Gold Coast, who are $6 outsiders, are hosting West Coast, who now live in the Gold Coast, so it actually is a home game for both sides. Uh, at a dollar thirteen favourites, Metricon. The line here, thirty-two points. The over/under one twenty-eight. Will relocation affect the Eagles at all? Do you reckon? No. And to be fair, Gold Coast would be pretty full strength. Now, how many of the Gold Coast players do you reckon went home? Back to like where they Victoria. from or whatever. Or do you reckon they all stay at the Gold Coast? I would have thought 
I kind of had to stay at the Gold Coast because I wouldn't have known when the boards would reopen. See, because a lot of lot of uh, players from other other state, yeah. a lot of teams, if they lived in the state and had family in the state, they were allowed to go yeah. to the state. Yeah, and a, lot of, a lot of players took it. Yeah. took it off on it. I was wondering if the Gold Coast, with their culture and the, what they're like, whether they mm. actually went home or whether they stayed on the Gold Coast. Because I, I actually, you'd kind of hope they would stay on the. Gold I actually, Coast. I'm actually a bit concerned of what going to happen. This what's going to happen to the Gold Coast issue given COVID? But they're pretty much out full strength. Their their injury list is that long, but they also net test or a available next to it because this AFL website um, yeah, injury update isn't very uh, conclusive because it says here they're test or two to four weeks away then the next early prognosis that they're back full training and playing so anyway um, West Coast have uh, the only real out is Mark Hutchins and Venables apparently Cameron is back at full training but won't be available for this week but they're pretty much full strength only missing three players as well and West Coast will absolutely flog Gold Coast. Only, only interest will keep Gold Coast within five goals. That's what, and I mean by West Coast will just lose interest in playing. Thoughts on because 40 be, plus and at $2.30? No, because that's what my worry would be, is that Gold, West Coast might actually lose interest in playing football because they're playing against Cones. Yeah, fair. Gold Coast has lost each of the last five games by more than 40 points. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So only time, I think, will save the Gold Coast here as well. Yeah. You're losing 16 minutes which is basically a quarter. Yep. So they might get lucky and stay within that. So the line would be a good value, but again, suck and see this week. But if they suck, then you could probably be pretty much pencil in Gold Coast, lose by more than 40 for the rest of the season. Last game, 105. The Giants, $1.35 favorites versus the Brews, who are $3.20 outsiders at Giants Stadium. I think any people who will be watching this game will be the 300 corporates allowed in to watch it. And I think in them, they'll be just uh, eating some canapes and having some champers. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean... Why would you watch this game? Well, Forget about the preview. Well, cause North, What's the angle to watch this game? North had a really good win in round one. Against a side that only kicked two goals and take that. Yeah, and we bag at North a lot. We do, because they are irrelevant. <laughs> They're not bad. No, they're, not, they're not a bad club. They're yeah, just irrelevant. Yeah, and Rich Shaw has um, you know, given us a fair bit. I, reckon Rich yeah. Shaw, I like Rich Shaw. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's a good, good honest good battler man. of a coach. Yeah. He's a good, honest battler of a club. Yeah. That um, is never going to finish bottom and get a first round draft pick. And is never going to finish on top and win the flag. They are irrelevant. JWS <laughs> <laughs> are pretty much at full strength. Um, Absolutely. They're, they're, I mean, they've got Toronto and Ward out and probably Williams. Um... But again, thanks to our website for you know they're telling us to come boards out, but he's down for a test. Uh, Toronto's still four to six weeks away. Kennedy's available. Uh, that's pretty much it. Oh, Zach Williams as well, so he's available. So pretty much full strength. Cam Water, I read to uh, Cal Water, I read today that he is available, but they don't really want to risk him for this game, which is understandable. We're playing North. Um, Tim Toronto is obviously a couple of weeks away, and look, this game is. I can see North being competitive for about a half and then GWS is putting the foot down and, and put put him away. But I really like... GWS were really clinical around one inch to long and I think they're, they're just going to build into this nicely. And I reckon they're probably, apart from Richmond, they're probably my, my next flag favourites. I know it's probably stating the obvious, but I just think that they learn a lot from last year. I think they're, they're on the way up. They're starting to learn a lot about themselves and build that culture. And I think uh, Leonard Cameron's done a pretty good job, so... I see a repeat now, a bit of, a bit of the old uh, Brisbane Lions, Collingwood Magpies of the uh, early 2000s, going to have the Richmond Giants rivalry, you reckon? It could be, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I like Javis this year. I can, yeah, if they can keep their, their team on the park, because they've always had injury issues. Uh, and they get Cal Ward back as well, which is a massive in for them. That, yeah, they're, they're really, I reckon they'll go all right. Yep. History suggests that as well. Uh, North Melbourne has failed to cover the line in 12 of its last 13 starts following nine or more days of rest. They've had 80, so uh, no chance of covering the line. Then take Sydney, Western Sydney to win by more than three goals. Everyone's favourite segment, money-making time. 
Do you have a best bet for me, Baz? Well, I just reckon if you take Port, Brisbane, GWS head-to-head, you're getting $2.65. That's great value, and they're, they're three teams that aren't going to lose this round this weekend. There you go. Well, my best bet, I'm backing in the Bloods culture here. Sydney to win against Essendon, the dollar seventy-two. What's your value bet for round two then? My value bet is Hawthorne, two dollars forty-four. The Clarko special down the Clarko gallery. special down the gallery. Yep. All right. I'm buying into the hype here. I've got some inside intel on the, on the Blues, uh, thanks to uh, certain fans of the podcast. <laughs> I reckon green shoots turn into money trees, taking Carlton to beat Melbourne at two dollars forty-three. Beautiful. What's your roughy? this week my roughy is my best bet so yeah Brisbane Port GWS into Hawthorne and St Kilda so my two roughies the value bets for the weekend yeah. as well and you're gonna get $16.15 that is rough a nice big firm start to start the uh, newly rejuvenated season with a five leg multi as your rough bet love it mine's a bit more convoluted than that so given St Kilda's fade out in round one and given their ability to botch wins they should have won in 2019 yep and given the doggies ability in the last couple of seasons to come home strong I'm taking St Kilda to lead at half time but the doggies to win at $6.50 I like that it's not bad so the doggies might win but <laughs> but you like the theory behind it anyway <laughs> yeah I do I do it's good I like it good 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 alright that rounds out our first comeback episode uh, if you want to send in your picks or tips or give us some 360 feedback, hit us up on Twitter. We have our own individual Twitter handle. We are still with Sporting Chance, obviously, but we want to make sure that you can we can just talk pure footy and betting. And so that is at W-A-T-O-S pod, what are the odds pod on Twitter. And if our tips make you some cash and you want to give some thanks and keep the pod alive, hit up our Patreon. Just search what are the odds Patreon in your internet uh, servers. And yeah, if you want to Hand over a little bit of cash from your winnings and keep this thing rolling along. That'd be much appreciated. But until next week, gamble responsibly. Go see your mates. Less than 20 people in a house and enjoy your follow, first weekend of footy. Follow COVID so we don't have another outbreak so we can play footy in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Thanks.